You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, this morning to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 10. Um, you'll have to forgive me, I am a little under the weather today, so if my voice goes out a little bit, um, then I guess we'll have Lisa not just do announcements, but preach, so it'll be fantastic. Um, I was having a... Um, old man conversation with my kids the other day. How many of you have ever had old man conversations with kids? The kind of conversations that say, you know, back in my day, we had this and we had that. Things that just, they seem to have gone away. You don't know when it happened, but they just kind of gone away. Um, we realized that we, we don't have a home telephone. We haven't had a home phone at our house. Does anybody here still have a home phone? Okay, so it's just us. All right. <laughs> we just have our cell phones. We don't even have a home phone. Um, what about this? What about how many of you guys grew up and had bead doors? You know those, those beads that would come down and you'd walk through? How many of you guys had those in your house? Three, four, maybe it was a, more of a West Coast thing. I don't know. But man, I would get grounded all the time because I would yank on the bead doors and they would fall down and I remember getting in trouble. How about water beds? Anybody have a water? Come on, those were fun. <laughs> You'd jump on that thing and the wave would start going and, and it was, uh, I'd get grounded. It was awesome. Uh, it, what about, and, and this is funny, I was having a conversation with uh, our, our youth pastor, Nick, just the other day, and, I, and we were talking about wind chimes. And he goes, oh, that's such a leave it to beaver era. Uh, I said, What? How many of you guys loved having wind chimes, right? How many of you still have wind chimes? <laughs> there you go, Nick. You're the weird one. I love, I love wind chimes. I, I can remember like sitting on the porch and stuff, you know, and, and, and relaxing and, and feeling the breeze come through and, and, and you would hear that beautiful melody. You know what was fantastic about it? As the wind would blow and the song would be made, if you look really closely, and I hope you can see it well enough, you can see how each one of these are straining so hard to make music. Look at each rod as it, as it strains to make a song. It's working really hard, isn't it? It's not. What it's doing is simply emanating a song that it already is. When the wind blows, what it naturally is comes out. So should the church be. So should the church be. We are a people um, predisposed to working hard. We are a people predisposed to trying to do when the Holy Spirit would say to us, be. Don't do, be. And when the wind of the Holy Spirit, the move of the Holy Spirit comes through our lives, there's a song that will naturally begin to play. It won't take you any effort. And you know what that song is? It's a song of worship based as a song of love. Everything that we talked about this morning, 
Christ's incredible love for you changes who you are. It changes the way that you think. It changes the way that you behave. It changes your character, doesn't it? And instead of striving to do, we need to rest and just be. It doesn't mean that every single song that your life makes is beautiful, is it? Um, Some of you still get mad in traffic, right? Don't lie, you're in church. Some of you still maybe have thoughts that you wish wouldn't pop into your head. Some of us say things that we wish we could take back, but it's like trying to get the toothpaste back into the tube. It's out, right? And so you know what we do? We live a guilt-ridden life because of those times where our tune is just a little bit off. The wind chime doesn't strive to correct. It just continues to be. And so should it be for us. We continue to allow the Holy Spirit to do a deep work within us. And the song becomes beautiful. Now, if we were to do that individually, strive to be, strive to spend time in the presence of God, strive to have an interaction of love. If each of us did that, could you imagine the song of our campus? Add that song to the song of the other Grace Covenant campuses. Could you imagine as the Holy Spirit blows what kind of a song that would be? And now let's let's think really crazy. What if we went beyond just denominations? What if every single church that calls upon the name of the Lord strove to be in a love relationship with Him and each denomination were to make a song and all of our songs would join together, what crazy love song would that sound like? One of the great things I love about the times that we live in is we're so, so often hearing of denominational walls that are falling by the wayside. I thank God for that. I believe that's a God thing. Ephesians tells us it is. Ephesians 4, chapter 4 through 6 says, There's one body and one spirit. And just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Thank God that Jesus is not denominational. He's love. And when his spirit moves, it moves us with love. I love what Charles Spurgeon said about denominations on his deathbed. He said he's finding that more and more um, his theology is getting simpler. In fact, it was confined to four words. Those four words was, Jesus died for me. That was the totality of his theology at the end. It wasn't squabbling about little petty differences. It was that Jesus died for me. You know what that means? That Jesus loved me. Can, can you hear the song that was being played in his life as the spirit blew? The church united is called to bring honor and glory to God and represent Jesus to our community and the world. We're not competitors, we're partners in a mission that really matters. 
It's a mission of love. And that, that's where we find ourselves this morning in Luke chapter 10. Jesus gives us a story of love, a story of what our, our lives song should sound like. And it's all based in love. Man, that word gets thrown around loosely today, doesn't it? We say we love all kinds of things. We love the Panthers. We, 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 we love barbecue. Yeah, probably do. But most of the time, when we're describing, where we say we love something, we're just saying we feel emotional about something. Love's not emotional, especially the love of Christ. It's scandalous. It's weighty. It's profound. John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35 says, here's the song. Listen, here's the song that's going to sound like in your life when you're overwhelmed by my love. A new command I give you is to love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Can you hear the song? Can you hear the song? And, and more importantly, how many other people can hear the song now? You, they will know that you are my disciples not because you go to church on Sunday. Not because you serve in the, um, in, in the parking team or as an usher. That's great. That's wonderful. But they won't know that you're my disciple by that. What they'll, when they'll know that you're my disciple is when they see how crazy you love one another. Because you love like I love, Jesus would say to us. What a song that is. When the spirit moves, love comes out. Luke chapter 10, verses uh, 25 through 37, Jesus gives a story. For the sake of time, I'm going to abbreviate it quickly. A young man came to Jesus and um, wanted to say, how, you know, how can I know I have eternal life? And Jesus said, you know, uh, follow the commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all, all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so he asked, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus gives an answer to him in form of a story. You're probably familiar with it already. It's called the Good Samaritan. Listen to what Jesus says about love and how our lives should sound. It says in verse, pick it up in 30. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. Just a side note on that, just a fascinating little thing. It's 17 miles from um, Jerusalem to Jericho. It starts at 2,500 feet above sea level to 800 feet below sea level. So as they're traveling down this rocky path, it was a great place for robbers. People would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, and if you think we have racial divisions in the United States, the division between Samaritans and Jews at that time um, makes us look like we're singing Kumbaya together every day. There was a deep hatred that they had 
one for another. But this Samaritan, this enemy, Jews would have heard, as he traveled, he came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he gave out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return... I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hand of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus, can I, can I add my own right here? Jesus said, go and make that same kind of music. Go love. Go love. Within this parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus gives us a living example of what we should look like as we are one church on a mission. This morning, I'm kind of excited with the last, I'm not kind of, I'm actually really excited. With the remaining time that we have, um, I want to talk about a few people right here on our own campus who have been making some pretty cool music. Out of their love for God, that, that love has just overflowed in their lives and impacted the world around us. And so in our notes, we're going to follow along, but I'm going to be talking to a couple of different individuals this morning. So for point number one, write this down. That we, the church is called to go to the places where people are far from God. To go to the places where people are far from God. Verse 33, he said, came to the place where the man was. Don't you love that? We're to go to them, not wait for them to come to us. We do that sometimes, don't we? We, we? If you build it, they will come. No. Go. Uh, Johnny Rock was coming up here this morning. He, uh, again, as you guys know, he, he led our worship team this morning. But he also led a missions trip um, just a couple of weeks ago to New York City. And um, you talk about going to where the pe- the need is. I also wanted you to share real quick about your guys' experience there, what, what you what you saw. Yeah, so we, we took a group up to uh, New York City, um, and kind of the idea behind it was um, really wanted to get the kids outside of the Bible Belt um, and put them in an environment where things are just different. And I don't know if you've been to New York City, things are definitely different there. It's a different pace of life. And what's really cool is that you have really all the nations of the world represented, um, all the religions of the world represented, and then obviously a huge need of compassion with just the homeless population that exists there. Um, So we went up for a week, and we spent some time doing um, homeless outreaches. We did some things in, like, food pantries and soup kitchens. Um, We did some stuff with inner-city kids, Uh, but probably... One of the most eye-opening things, I think, was just doing street evangelism. For instance, we went into Central Park. We spent a morning kind of preparing the kids, doing some training on on communicating the gospel. And then we did some uh, role-playing where we had different scenarios. And then we went out into Central Park, and we just, you know, we prayerfully looked for people to engage in conversation. And it was really cool because... um, Man, they, they got involved in some, some really interesting conversations. Just the diversity of beliefs that are out there um, and really the illiteracy that there is when it comes to the Bible and who Jesus is um, became so evident. 
So they were out there gathering information, which I think was really good for them, and then also taking the opportunity to, to share what they believe. And you come away from the whole experience and you realize there are so many people out there that are so far from God. And they're caught up in all kinds of lies and all kinds of deception. Um, and and it's, it's people that are, that are around every day yeah. That, yeah. that are so far from God. Yeah. And I think the takeaway for them was, man, there's, there's opportunities to have these conversations in my day-to-day life. Like I don't have to take a mission trip all the way to New York City, even though that, that's an interesting way to do it. But the people who are far from God are the ones who they're in direct contact with every day. And so how do I have these conversations? How do I steer a conversation to, to the topic of spirituality and get to the gospel? Um, I think was pretty eye-opening for them. That's so cool. So you get this, this group of teenagers who, you know, are they could have been hanging out at, you know, Lake Norman for, you know, that week. But instead, they're going to where the need is. But you thank Johnny for sharing that this morning. <laughs> Point number two, write this down, is that we're to look for people who are in places of need. To share a little bit about that story, I'm asking Carlos to come on up. Carlos Bonet, um, he has been a part of our Grace family for quite some time. And for the last 12 weeks, uh, Carlos has been serving inside our Lincolnton Medium Security Prison. And uh, you talk about individuals who are in need. Carlos has been able to minister to them. Would you, would you share a little bit about what your experience has been like? Sure. I have to say that I always wondered when you give me the mic on a stage what I would do. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't sleep much last night just thinking about that. Yeah. It's funny when Pastor mentioned it to me. I started writing notes and doing all this stuff because I present. And really, I just came up and I hope the Holy Spirit just is able to, you know, share and impact somebody here in this audience, first of all, I just want to say. But um, I just want to give a little bit of testimony about it, because yeah. one of the things I, I think that has been on my heart, and when a pastor approached me, I already had been in prayer about doing more with my life for God. I feel like God has blessed me so much, and that he put me in a position with my work that I, I have some time and I have some flexibility, and I need to utilize that, not just for my own enjoyment, my family, but to impact others in God's kingdom. So first of all, I want to share that, because yeah. God prepared my heart. God provided a way to do that when Pastor asked me about the men's fellowship, about the prison ministry. And then it was just evident. There was no hesitation when I met Phil, who works with Game Plan for Life with Joe Gibbs, and that's how the ministry is run through. Um, It was just comfort. When Phil brought me in for the first session, um, you're allowed to go one time without getting a background check and all that. And I just jumped in. I didn't hesitate. It was just, you know, my first time with a bunch of prisoners some of them, you know, had some yeah. shaky paths and yeah. whatnot. But it's been a blessing on me because Game Plan for Life is for all men. And listening to these guys, they have a hunger to actually improve. Yeah. So it was a real education. I thanked them so many times. Pastor went on the last thing with me. And I mean, I just kept thanking them. I'm like, thank you for sharing. Thank you. I've grown so much throughout this ministry. But um, a couple of quick stories, you know, one of them, I stayed after for about 45 minutes to an hour, and we just talked. You know, one guy was a business person, and he started, you know, he had to go away for work, and he found himself starting to do drugs and then crack, and he lost his whole life. And we just talked about God forgives and loves, Mm -hmm. and he can put that past him, and he's already accepted Christ. Um, Another guy did attempted murder. He tried to kill his wife, and he, the shame that he had, 
you could tell they carry a weight with them in there. But when you accept Christ, that weight is gone no matter how bad the sin is. That to remind them there's stories of killers and attempted murders and liars and scandals and all that stuff. But I did bring this one sheet um, because sometimes we do work, whether it's a missions trip or something else, and we often wonder, geez, are we making an impact? Uh, so before I show this, actually, again, in the last class, um, one of the guys came up to me. He was a quiet fellow. So some of these guys just stand there like this, and they're looking at me, and I'm like, geez, you know, <laughs> you know I wonder if they just hate God and they're just here because they want air conditioning or, or what. Um, but he came up to me. He's like, you know, Carlos, I know I don't say much. And then he pulled out his workbook, and he had the scripture highlighted, and he said, one of the sections that had to do about wives, you told us to apply that to other relationships in our life. And there's other relationships that I was suffering with, and I'm applying those principles to those relationships. And, um, you know, the, the reason why I brought this sheet is that the Game Plan for Life, for the first time, started doing a survey to see how we can do better. And I'm really thankful there for this. So there were 17 guys that were part of the, the session. And in here are the categories that we did from finance to, you know, uh, learning about heaven and all my health, all these things. Some of these were five out of five. And five is, because of this lesson, I have started working on this area of my life. Awesome. And it was really touching because sometimes you do this stuff and you wonder, right? But this is someone that was five out of five. That means every single lesson that we did in there, he was impacted. Mm. And it's not to say that other people that pull fours or threes, no one put a one, which is like, this is a waste of time, but... Um, they did on my speaking. That's when. Well, I, I, let me just say one thing, right? When he was giving Lisa a hard time, now you know how I felt because <laughs> Pastor went in there and he got like a standing ovation when he finished giving his talk. And I'm like, I never had a standing ovation. <laughs> I brought pizza. <laughs> Always get a standing ovation. And, and what was amazing was to be able to watch just the interaction between Carlos and these men, people who are in need. Um, would you thank him for sharing this morning and the awesome work you're doing, brother? Number three, write this down, is that we need to have a bias to action to be willing to serve. Have a bias to action and be willing to serve. Our music is made when you have a bias to action. And, and I want to share a story real quick This uh, about last week. Um, I'm going to have Chandler, my son, come on up here. Uh, I was kind of excited about this. Last week, Sunday, I'm going to kind of give a quick synopsis of, we were talking about um, a risk factor, right? Taking risks. And in, in within the sermon, um, I, I'm trying not to watch my kid when I'm preaching. How many of you know it could be really distracting watching your kid and preaching? at the same time, but I noticed he leaned over to his mom and, and he shared with her something. And, and so tell me, tell me what happened with that. Yeah. So, um, last week you were talking about, um, risking your, uh, comfort and schedule and all that. And, um, so I felt like God was pushing me to go ahead and do something about it instead of just sitting and listening and trying to take from it. So, um, I decided to go to Charlotte and um, talk to the homeless and bring stuff up there and minister up there. So I told mom in the middle of service, um, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I needed and all that. I just decided to do it. So I went to Walmart, um, got some deodorant, toothbrush, toothpaste, uh, razors, and brought some Gatorade. And I went um, down to Charlotte, and I met some awesome, awesome guys. Um, one of the one of the guys, his name was Reggie. I hung out with him for probably like an hour and a half, and we just talked and talked about everything. Um, 
we went out to lunch and everything, and then after he left, because um, he went on the God train, um, I went and met this other guy named Bulldog, and I prayed for him, and he just started weeping like crazy, and him and I ended up going around to all the people he knew, um, praying for, with them, all of, both awesome. of us who went around and prayed for everyone. It was awesome. Awesome, awesome. But, and, and the reason why I share that one is, you know what makes that, what I love about it, is you know how many planning meetings we had for that? Do you know how many um, focus groups we had? Do you know how organized that the church was to go get that done? Zip. It, it's a bias to go serve. It's a bias to go serve. And when the church behaves like that, the church makes music. Church makes music. Number four, write this down. Be willing to pay the cost of caring. For this one, I'm going to bring up uh, your favorite. Lisa. Lisa came, and you know that she was in Nicaragua. um, And and let me just say um, the stories that I've heard from um, others in just the way that God used her in such a powerful way and her leadership over Nicaragua is, is stunning. It's been so cool to hear. But I wanted you guys to be able to hear her story of what happened in Nicaragua. It's always a privilege to serve, always. And anytime I get the opportunity to, to go and serve in this way, man, you get back far more than you give. I want to tell you about Friday. It was, it was day four in country. Um, we, we were exhausted. We had had a really busy day on Friday. It started with uh, VBS in a, the city of Dario, which was about an hour away from where we were staying. We had uh, gotten on the bus and done VBS for about 85 kids. It was hot. It was, it was great. <laughs> um, it bring, brings great joy to you, uh, no matter the situation. But we had done our VBS. We had ridden back on the bus. We had uh, unloaded, unpacked, reloaded. We had gone to a rally in the city that day. Um, we had just gone to eat dinner, and uh, we were with a bunch of teenagers. And teenagers, they just weren't quite ready to settle in for the night. So we thought, well, let's go for ice cream. It was raining, but sure, let's walk two blocks in the rain and go get some ice cream. Why not? So we, uh, she was saying no. She was with me on the trip. Um, <laughs> so I want to show you a picture just as we walk into the ice cream shop. And here's our team. We were uh, just kind of excited to be there, wet, soppy. It was great. Um, when we walked in, we saw a little boy sitting at the table, and he had a truck. And this little truck, it only had three wheels on it. It was dirty. He was dirty. Um, He made no eye contact with us, no smile. He just sat there. Uh, One of the interpreters went over to him and just said, hey, can we buy you some ice cream? So the interpreter asked, of course, you know, we'll we'll buy him some ice cream. So we we did that, and he sat down and ate, and and two of our interpreters and actually one of our teenage boys went over and sat down at the table with him and started talking to him. His his name was was Pablo. Um, Pablo was 10 years old. He didn't look like he was 10 years old. Um, much smaller than what you would expect. Um, he had a had a pretty sad, pretty sad story. Um, his mom had left him when he was a baby. Um, he uh, lived with his grandma, who was sick, and his dad was away on a fishing boat working to raise money, sending money back to help support grandma and uh, Pablo and his siblings. So the more we talked to him, um, the kids began to hear part of Pablo's story, And as they heard it, 
there was like this rally cry among the kids. I wasn't even aware of what was going on because I was sitting over at a different place, but I saw one of the interpreters, just money was being handed to him. And I, I went up and I said, well, what's going on? Well, these kids had caught wind of this little boy's situation, and many of them could not even begin to imagine what he was going through and the reality of the situation that he faced every day. He walked an hour into the city of Esteli, which is where we were staying, just trying to gather food, gather money, anything that he could gather for his family. And then he would walk back each night in the dark. So it was dark when we were sitting there. We knew that Pablo was going to have to get back home. But the kids just, man, they they opened up their backpacks. They pulled out their goldfish, their granola bars, their money, their band-aids, their socks. They pulled out anything and everything that they could spare to give to this little kid. And as I'm watching the table, it was, it was, it was amazing. The table just begins to pile up with all these goods um, that our kids are graciously and generally giving to him. But the final thing was one of the girls on the trip sat down and began to remove her shoes. So I realized what was happening was this girl was taking her shoes off, knowing that it was raining and knowing that we had two blocks to walk back to our hotel. But this Elizabeth, she's actually right there in the striped shirt, she was giving away her shoes to Pablo. And as Pablo took, he, he didn't want to take them. First of all, he was looking at them, but he, he wasn't sure that she was really going to give them to him. He didn't even know how to receive that. And one of our interpreters was explaining to him, it's okay, you can have these shoes, please take them. So he took his off, weighty, wet shoes, and he put these shoes on. And uh, man, it, it made him smile and made quite the impact on him. There's Elizabeth's sock feet. Um, and there's Pablo with his, uh, his new Nike tennis shoes on that he had. Um, another, another girl did the same thing. She took off her shoes. So they didn't even think twice about it. They just gave because they cared. So what happened to Pablo? Well, we knew we couldn't send him home in the dark, an hour's walk. Plus, we were afraid of what may happen to the provisions that we had just given to him. So our interpreter said, we're going to get him a taxi. And not only are we going to get him one, but we're going to ride with him because we know that when he gets in his neighborhood, it will be unsafe for him. So there's a photo of uh, Pablo as he gets home. You can see him um, in the lights of the cab. And um, he's graciously holding his shoes, and his grandma opened the door for him. The significant part of this story and the Bible verse that resonated with me was Matthew 25:40, And it was, whatever you give unto the least of these, you give unto yeah. me. So grateful and thankful that we got to meet Pablo and experience this time with him. And again, it changes all of us far more than it, than it changed him. So cool. So cool. Point, the point I'm trying to make in sharing all these stories with you is that our life is supposed to be like this, that we're naturally loving on those around us because we've so been touched by God's love. That way we live out the mercy of God. We're called to live out the mercy of God. And I want to demystify that a little bit. It, it, we can go on missions trips. We can do it in our neighborhoods. We can do it in Charlotte. We can do it in New York. The point is this. Just do it. Be Nike. (laughs) Just do it. Wherever you are, think about it. 
Think about the opportunities that are right in front of you and love like Jesus loved. Make music. The Holy Spirit is going to direct you. The Holy Spirit is going to move you. The Holy Spirit will prompt you. We just have to allow him to blow through our lives. And as he blows through our lives, listen, great music is made. And people are changed for the kingdom of God. If that doesn't get you geeked up, I don't know what will. Check your pulse. And every single time, in every single story, I hope you heard one thing. I hope you saw something. And it was not something pre-planned. This just organically happened. Do you notice how every single one of them were more blown away by what God did than the energy it took for them to put out to get get out there and do it? They received more than they gave. That's the economy of God. It's the economy of God. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we love you. And we love you and love you and love you. And Lord, we love you because you first loved us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would walk cognizant of that. Lord, that we would be a people who have been touched by love, moved by love, and then share your love to the world around us. God, get us out of our comfortable seats and into the places that you've called us to be. Lord, I pray that we would all, every single one of us, allow you to blow and make music in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.